Hi, welcome back to Cycling Talk Podcast with me, George Mahoney. Today, I am joined by ex-professional cyclist and coach for Downing Cycling, Dean Downing. It was great to hear about how Dean's life has changed since his time as a pro rider has finished. And his coaching was really interesting to find out about. Thank you for joining me today, Dean. No problem. Glad to be here. What's your first memory of being on a bike? That's a long time ago now. Um, I remember riding like around grass tracks. My dad was a cyclist, still is a keen cyclist, so he used to race a lot of grass tracks. So that would have been um, in the 80s, in 1980s. Um, so I used to go with my younger brother as well. Mum and dad used to go to bike races. So we used to ride our bikes just in and around the, the middle of the track for example. Um, so I remember riding around watching dad in the 80s. Um, so yeah, I would have been probably under 10 years old, I would say. And what's the first bike that you remember being really excited about? Uh, well, I had had like little, little small wheel bikes at that time frame. But when I was, when I was eight years old, I had, um, I got a I got a racing bike that my parents bought me, um, and it had big, thick white tires on it. Um, it had it had dropped handlebars, mm. and it was a rally. I remember it being a rally, blue blue and white rally, um, and I started racing on like um, hard track, so Nottingham track, Middlesbrough track. Sadly, these tracks are no longer there now, but um, that coincided with my first ever big bike race that I competed in and won as well so yeah my little rally bike with 20 20 inch wheels it would have been I think uh, maybe even 24 inch wheels so that was um, 1983 that would have been <laughs> and did you become part of a local club yeah so at that time frame my dad uh, had a bike shop in a in a place called Thurcroft uh, which is where me and Russ grew up um, as a family um, my dad had a bike shop and he also ran the Thurcroft Cycling Club which had been around for a long long time but hadn't been so it, it was from the, the the 40s and the 50s they had like groups of cyclists that had it had a good history but it hadn't really done much with it through the through the 70s so my dad and his friends brought it back in the 80s the cycling club or like I rejuvenated it so yeah I was involved uh, in the Thurcroft Cycling Club from an early age up until probably for 10 years, up until I was like 17. Um, it was great. Russ was in it. We had friends in it. It's like school friends, all mm. of dad's friends. My mum rode as well at that time frame. So yeah, Third Cross Cycling Club was, was a big part of my early cycling career. And you and your brother Russ have both gone on to be professional cyclists. How was it growing up in a cycling family? It was really good. We had a lot of adventures. Um, there's a place which we all ride through kind of on the way back from rides still now to this day called Blythe. Um, like Connor Swift will have ridden through it. Ben Swift would have ridden through it. And Russ has. And I remember when we were kids, we rode down the lanes to Blythe with our parents. Um, and that was a big deal. It was like 10 miles there and 10 miles back. So being brothers who have gone on to be pros has been pretty cool. Um, but yeah, from a cycling family, it was nice. Um, our granddad was a good cyclist as well. 
that would have been in the the forties and fifties. So it's um, the Downing family's got a, a good tradition of cyclists. Let's go back to your first race. Can you tell me a bit more about it? Um, we just mentioned the the race that I did as an eight year old. It was on on a hard track outdoors, like concrete hard track. Um, it was an under thirteens handicap race, and I was only eight years old. I was really small uh, on my on my rally bike, and they gave me half a lap start because I was so <laughs> tiny, small, <laughs> racing against like twelve year olds, eleven year olds. Um, there was boys in there, girls in there as well, um, and I won by about a hundred meters. <laughs> um, which was pretty funny. It gave me a bit of a two headers, two two further start. So um, that was my first memory of my first ever big bike race, uh, and I won the race as well, which was pretty wow. cool. Um, like I said earlier, that was in nineteen eighty three. So that was my first memory of my big of a big bike race that I did. And can you tell me about your first national race? Yeah, I'd, I didn't really do much racing as a as a as a youth, as a schoolboy, as it was then. So I did local crits and stuff, but I think. The first national races I did was probably when I was a junior. Um, the junior series was the Peter Buckley series then, and they they were across the across the country. But the first the first one I did was in March, and it was at the Eastway um, Centre, which is now where um, the velodrome, the Olympic Park is. Mm. So Eastway was knocked down, and the big velodrome. So that would have been in 90, 1993, That would be. Um, that was my first national road race, and it was it was well, it was a national circuit, but it was amazing to be there. There was international riders, um, all the Great Britain junior team were there. So yeah, that was a big a big step up for me. Yeah, how did your training change once you started racing nationally? Um, well, that that race I got, I think I got fifth or eighth, one of those two things, and the only people to beat me were national squad riders and international riders. So it got me selected to have a trial with the British Cycling Track Squad at the time. Um, and my training my training changed dramatically after that point that I, I concentrated a lot more on cycling. Uh, so I did longer, longer training rides uh, for junior racing, which was like 80 miles, probably the big ones. So I did a lot of training around college, uh, training with groups at the weekends with 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 like the guys like the 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 semi-pros and pros so it it changed quite a lot when I started doing more national races as a junior it just went up a level um harder faster that kind of thing how did you feel when you had your first national win uh I'm not sure when my first um I won some races as a junior but I didn't win any Buckley series like they would be nationals. Um, I did a few Premier calendars as a when I was a senior, but I didn't win a first Premier calendar until like 2004 when I was with the recycling team. Um, that was when I was on the GB track team again. And that was pretty special because I'd ridden and trained with guys like Chris Walker, uh, John Tanner, Malcolm Elliott as a junior um, all those years ago, like 10 years previously. So to to be winning a Premier calendar was pretty special. Um, I beat my brother as well. He was second. Um, but that was cool to to win my first national, get in the cycling weekly in the report and get a picture of me crossing the line with my hands in the air. Um, so that, that was my first big national Premier calendar win. 
was really cool. And how did you find your first international race? Was that another big step up for you? Yeah, so the first the first international race was I, I did some international racing as a junior on the track. Uh, didn't really do too much on the road, but the the biggest what my first international race was I can't really remember, but I do remember racing the Mallorca Challenge. It was called. Mm. Uh, it was like five one days, and this was in two thousand and four again. Part of the Great Britain team, so I was racing with. Um, the likes of in the same team like Steve Cummins, Russ was on the team, Rob Hales, Chris Newton, uh, Paul Manning, a um, few other guys on the team, Brian Steele would have been there as well. And I was riding for Great Britain, which was great, but I was riding against riders like Johan Museo. Um, who else was riding? He was, yeah, yeah, Johan Museo was definitely riding. I was just riding with all these world-class pros thinking wow what am I doing here this is this is amazing um so that's my first international experience on the road um which was very good what was the first team that you became a part of um yeah as a, as a junior I was in like little little clubs really um and then when I went to Belgium as an amateur I was in a kind of club as well but I joined the John Sy cycling team as an amateur in 2001 uh, and that was really the first team that I went uh, that I was in mm. um, the team had lots of it had a few foreign riders in it but mainly Belgian riders but it had a lot of riders in it like 20 riders and we all used to race together in different things but that was my first experience of being in a proper team and uh, we all had the same bikes we all had the same kit we got paid expenses to go to races we got travel um, and that was the first part of me being a full-time bike rider as well uh, and living abroad so it took a long time for me to be part of a team I so I did lots of riding as a youth and juniors but mainly just like in little clubs and things so like riding in the same kit the same bikes as, as your as your friends and in John Sire's cycling team was pretty cool. You went to university before you became pro how did you manage your training and racing around your studies? Not very well. <laughs> Not very well. So that was a big turning point for me. So it was when I was 18, I was at college. Uh, I was on the Great Britain track team, like I said, as a junior. And uh, I failed quite a few exams and I didn't actually go to the junior worlds as well. So what did happen is that I went to do a uni foundation uh, degree got that and then got into university that way. And it made me realise that I needed to get something behind me if I wasn't going to make any, make a living out of cycling straight from junior kind of thing. So yeah, I got my, got my degree, did four years as a, in building studies and construction management. Um, but yeah, at the, at the beginning of it, it didn't go very well. Um, I didn't do great at cycling. I didn't do great in my exams. So made me choose which route I wanted to take. And at that point it was, university route which it paid off I got a degree in construction management and, uh, and I ended up getting a job uh, as a as a site engineer for two years which was great so it worked out in the end but in the beginning it didn't go very good. As a pro rider you were known as more of a road rider but you also did track can you tell me more about that? Yeah so uh, like 
like you said, me and Russ rode together quite a lot on the track. Uh, we ended up being the, the British Madison champs in 2003. Uh, we got some trials to ride the World Cups uh, for Great Britain. Uh, we got fourth in our first ever one, which was a fantastic result in, out, in, out in Moscow, uh, World Cup there. And then we got a place officially on the, uh, on the track team as a funded rider, which was with the world-class performance plan, it was called then, lottery funded. So we did quite a lot of track racing those, those two years. We rode, the, we rode the, the world championships in Melbourne as a Madison pairing, which was fantastic to ride the worlds with, uh, with your brother, uh, which was cool. So um, I got a silver medal in the points race at, one, at that time frame as well. My, my teammate at the time, Paul Manning, beat me, which <laughs> is what it is. We, were, we, we did a one, two, three of a, of a, of a team on the, on the podium. So, um, yeah, so I did quite a lot of track riding at that time frame. I really enjoyed track. It's where I came from as a youth rider, junior. So to go back into it and represent Great Britain at the Worlds in 2004 was, was pretty cool. Yeah. So, as you said, you and Russ uh, used to be Madison partners. How do you think you two worked together? And do you think that being brothers helped the, the way you rode together? It definitely helped, yeah. We knew, that, we knew each other's strengths and weaknesses mm-hmm. really well. Uh, we, could, we could urge each other on as well and spur each other on. Um, but yeah, we kind of knew what each other was potentially going to do. Um, but yeah, Madison ran is really... It's really insanely difficult and lots of concentration. And you watch, I love watching Madison's now at the work when the worlds are on and the Olympics are on. Um, things like that is it's quite it's quite exciting to be involved in as well. So yeah, being being oh, having being partners with your brother really did really did make it easier for me and Russ. So when you rode the world championships in 2004, you got GB selected to do the uh, Madison at the 2004 Olympics. You didn't compete in the Olympics that year, but how did you and Russ feel about helping Team GB qualify? Uh, sat here now, I feel really proud of it. At the time, we were like, mm, well, yeah, we're a bit good. We didn't get selected. Mm-hmm. But at that time frame, 2004, it was right at the beginning of, of, um, of the programme. So now they take riders for Team Pursuit. They may take a riders riders for the Madison, but generally over time they've always taken two of those riders out of the team pursuit and ride the Madison together, um, and that's what happened at that time frame. They took uh, two guys called um, Rob Hales and Bradley Wiggins, I think, <laughs> which wasn't too bad, you know. But yeah, we were very proud at the time, even um, that we'd we'd gained enough points uh, and qualified Great Britain a place, so we got like fourth. Uh, fifth, eighth, and sixth in World Cups, and we got tenth or eleventh at the Worlds, um, which qualified Great Britain a spot at the Olympic Games in Athens. So yeah, they they put Bradley and Rob in. They got a bronze medal. Um, I know for a fact that we would never have got a bronze medal. Uh, we might have been fifth, eighth, like say that's what, that was our position all the time. So um, yeah, I'm quite happy that we. I'm happy and proud that we qualified the spot and the boys went and got a medal out of it. In 2007, when you were riding for Rafa Condor, you won the Lincoln GP. It was quite a local race to your childhood home. So you'd grown up watching it. 
do you think that made your victory even more special? Yeah, yeah, it definitely did. Like I say, it's, it's only about 40 miles away, but I used to watch it as a as a, as a lad ride over with, with clubs and watch it and watch all the pros winning it. Um, but also, it's one of the last races that my grandfather came to watch me at in 93, or was it when I did it as a junior? Um, so I was very emotional at the end when I won. Uh, it was horrible weather. Um, rain was pouring down all day. Pretty gritty race. So, yeah, I was emotional about winning, but also just thinking about my granddad that, that he wasn't there um, to see me win uh, when he'd seen me race it as a junior. So, yeah, I still still love to go and watch the Lincoln now. Uh, I was at the Nationals this year for the crit and the, the road race as well. But it is, it's just a fantastic route to race, for the riders to race, but also for the crowd to watch. So definitely one of my, um, yeah, best, most enjoyable victories. And the following year, you and Ross battled for the win at that same race. Tell me about that. Yeah, we we were both on form again. He'd won the Lincoln a couple of times as well. Um, obviously, I'd won it the year before, and I still wanted to win it again. But it was literally a head-to-head, uh, and he had the better legs. And I think he beat me by a couple of seconds. But we were coming up Michael Gate one on one, uh, one on one side, one on the other. Um, and he took the victory that that time. You've won several races across the UK in your career. What are some of your most favourite moments? Um, I, I really enjoyed women winning the Premier calendars that I did. Uh, they were they, they're the biggest races in the UK. Mm. Um, still are. So now there's there's a few a few that are um, sadly not on anymore. But winning the British Crit Champs in 2001 was really good. Um, but winning it in 2008 for the second time was was probably my best ever ever victory. Um, I just pipped Rob Hales to the line. He, he nearly caught me on the line. Um, but what it did do, it, it, it made me British champion, which was really, really cool. And then the following year was when, well, that year in 2008, cycling exploded in the UK in a great way because the Great Britain track team got seven or eight medals, gold medals at the Olympics in Beijing. So cycling was very popular. So in 2009, the, the Tour Series came along and I was British Crit Champ, so I trained really hard for Criteriums and that was a, a good start for me. So the, the British Crit Champs in 2009 was probably the biggest bike race I won in the UK. What are some of your most memorable moments with teams and teammates throughout the years? Um, well, still, I've retired from racing a long time ago and, and still friends with those teammates of 20 years ago. Um, you know, a few WhatsApps, a few hellos at races and things like that. So having having teammates and the camaraderie of cycling is what I have gained from being a cyclist for all that all that time. Um, but yeah, being part of uh, a winning team. Uh, I remember when Graham Briggs won the National Criterion Champs in 2011. We were both in the breakaway. We were attacking. I attacked hard. They chased. He attacked hard. They chased. I attacked hard, they chased, and then he he won the race at the end. It was fantastic to be a part of and to see him win, which he'd been he'd been up there before. So that was a standout moment for me, seeing being part of other other wins as well uh, with teammates. So yeah, being on a team like Rafa Condor and uh, Rafa Condor Sharp as it was when I was there as well um, was really really good. Um, we had a lot of fun uh, off the bike as well. We all got on. 
the manager, John Errity, was great. He looked after us. He kept us in check. Uh, and that created a really good atmosphere to be part of. I understand you had some injuries towards the end of your career. Can you tell me about these and did they affect your decision to retire? Uh, didn't affect my uh, decision to retire, no. Um, but I broke my collarbone um, quite a few times through my career. Mm. Um, 2004, uh, 2005 was the biggest one. Broke my thumb and my collarbone in a crash in America. Uh, that put me out right in the middle of the season. I missed the National Championships road mm. race. Um, so that was my first time I broke my collarbone. Um, had it plated, had my thumb plated as well. So that was a big recovery, um, a recovery process. I broke my collarbone on training camp, broke my collarbone again on a training ride in the UK. So all these times that I broke my collarbone, um, yeah, it gets you down breaking your collarbone or breaking any bone when you're in, in, in good shape and training well. So mm. having to come back from that was quite tough, probably three or four occasions in my career. So... Yeah, I had, had some big crashes after my um, career had finished as well. They were probably more serious than the collarbones. I bust my leg in 2015. Then I broke my ribs and punctured a lung, just like what Cav's done now. Um, in 2019, in the summer, um, oh, wow. that was a pretty big one. And that was in training as well. So How did that, that happen? Um, yeah, the, that, that one was um, out on a training ride on the chain gang on the Donny Shane gang and somebody hit a hole. I hit the hole. I hit the rider and went over the handlebars um, and landed in the field. But I landed on my back and snapped my collarbone, broke three ribs and punctured my lung. So, and I wasn't a professional bike rider at the time. I was, you know, running my own coaching business. So made me think a lot about what I wanted to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, none of the accidents in, in my when I broke my collarbone and did other accidents uh, ended my career, which I was happy about. I kind of went out how I wanted to go out kind of thing and when I wanted to stop. How did you find the move from being a pro racer to being retired and no longer racing? Was it difficult to adjust? Um, not, not really, no, because I, I worked with NFTO as a team, my last team, and that, that was the plan with the... The, the then boss John Wood to that I wanted to stop at this race and during that time frame running up to it I I worked with like um, different brands to then look to work with them afterwards so it was all planned uh, and it went quite well um, I worked for Continental Tires doing some videos and and, and talks and things like that I made videos for what bike and did chats also started coaching with Train Shop which was you know, a big step for me. I'd, I'd qualified as a coach um, in 2011. I did the qualification. So fast forward 2014, I I started coaching, got one rider, got two riders and I didn't really know if I'd be any good at it or if I wanted to do it. But um, they persuaded me to come into their brand and that was really good. I learned a lot of um, the train sharp guys. So it wasn't too, uh, it wasn't such a dramatic like end I planned it and it, it went quite seamlessly um which was nice was coaching something that you'd always planned to do once your pro career had ended not not really no but um in 2009 um Rod Ellingworth who I've been friends with for a long time 
suggested me to th- have a think about going through the qualifications, just the just the British cycling qualifications, like which will give you a good idea of what coaching can be and what it's about. Uh, and then when I was on the NFTO team, Sean Yates said, I know John Sharples is the boss of Train Sharps, trying to persuade me to go into their brand and, and give it a go. So I just took the plunge and, and gave it a go and um, learned a lot from what I did as a rider and how I planned my own training. And then the rider, the, the coaches that I'd worked with throughout my career. So um, yeah, it, it was never massively planned to what I'm doing now, but um, I'm definitely glad I did it. Yeah. And as you said, when you first got into coaching, you were working uh, with Train Sharp. When did you decide to start down in coaching and how did you start it? Um, well, I started, I started working with Train Sharp at the back end of 20, 2014, possibly the start of 2015. So I did nearly, nearly three years with Train Sharp. And then through 2017, I was getting a lot more just confident of how, how I worked and how to build training plans and how to work with different types of riders, um, male, female, different age groups, that kind of thing. So I just picked up the phone. The first person I talked to about it was my wife saying, I'm, I'm thinking of doing it myself. Um, what, what do you think? (laughs) So my wife, she said, yeah, why not? You know, if you're confident enough doing it, then you can do it on your own. You can be your own boss. You can, you can do it as, as you wish then. So picked up the phone to John Sharples and that and spoke to him about what I was thinking and he just said this is really good he was really really helpful really helpful um he said they wanted all along to teach me the the ins and outs of coaching and that it was great that I was going down this route out for myself so that was a big weight off my shoulders of of ringing John and ringing around Sean Yates as well and they they were both happy for me to to go out on my own so uh, me and Russ spoke about it and we launched down in cycling just from the coaching part. That would have been like the 1st of November on in 2017. And you've coached some incredible riders and led many of them to great success. How has your coaching style changed throughout the years? Yeah, it's, it's got more, it's got more in depth. Um, I'm always really honest with the riders that, that come to me. Like I'm not a qualified sports scientist but I understand the physiology of bike riders and understand the, the, the science behind different training zones and what people should be doing at different times of year, periodization of training plans, etc. So I've learned all that as I go uh, and from people at Train Sharp. So it's changed quite a lot over the years, um, but it's still, I still really enjoy working with different types of riders. Um, some of those riders that I've worked with I think we, we were look. We had a we had our first. Um, so I've got three coaches that work with downhill cycling now that I work with. Um, so there's four coaches. There's Russ as an online coach as well. So we had our first meetup, um, a proper meetup, the other, uh, about a month ago. And what was interesting that we've got two world championships with Ben Tulip, which was awesome. We've also got riders that have won thirteen British championships as well across like the four years. So that's, that's pretty cool to be part of for me as the coach. And then with the different, different riders that we work with. Um, So yeah, it has changed. It's, it's, it's evolved with, with the riders that I work with. My first rider was um, a guy called Matt. He was my, my good friend. Uh, He was, he was a financial advisor. He still is a financial advisor. He was wanting to get fitter for 
um, first world teeth. So I took Matt on board when I was with Train Sharp, learned a lot about planning around his time management, uh, his, his job, his family, um, what should he be doing at different types of year, how can he get stronger, um, how can he get faster. So that was really interesting working with Matt right at the beginning. Um, the same kind of process and principles now, working with everybody. What sort of riders do you work with and how does your coaching change for different riders of different disciplines, age and ability? Yeah, like we just said then, I worked with um, yeah mid-40s guy who worked full-time, had a family. He was my very first rider, so like, I learned a lot from that, from time management. Like, like Matt could never do 20 hours of training and nor did he need to, like, you know, so... Working with different types of riders, you have to quickly work out what kind of hours they have to train, whether they work full-time or are a full-time bike rider. Um, and then just their their own goals of what racing they wish to do. Do they want to get fitter? Do they want to build their power curve um, up at different time frames? Like, you want to make their 20-minute power better, their one-minute power better, five-minute power better. There's lots of different ways of looking at it, but the main thing is that with each rider, um, you have to look at the time they have and then work with that. It's, yeah, it's quite simple in the end. You can't give somebody 20-hour training plan if, if they can't fit it in. Uh, they won't ever be able to make any gains or do all that training. Can you tell me about how you and Russ set up Donny Chain Gang and what it is? Yeah, so... Um, during COVID times, right at the beginning of lockdown, um, nobody could go out. So me and Russ have been involved with riding and racing on Zwift over the years. I have a good relationship with the people at Zwift, Steve Beckett, Eric Min. Uh, we've had meetings with them in the past. So I decided to do a, a Saturday morning coach rider meetup ride, um, which is like 10 o'clock. Nobody could ride outdoors at that time because um, nobody could go out. So it would have been, yeah, the start of April. We had our Downing Cycling Coach Riders ride. Matt Payne came came on, uh, coach his wife, Emma, uh, and he talked about doing like a Discord channel. So he's like, he's a commentator and he's MC, so he's he's great at tech. So he said, oh, we'll put a Discord channel on there. I'll, I'll set it up for you. Uh, we'll do that. And that was really cool because we could all talk together. So we ended up doing a ride every Saturday, 10 o'clock. Matt did the Discord. Russ was there. We were all chatting together. All riders were on it. There's some female riders, young young youth riders, um, different age groups. Alice Barnes came on it uh, a couple of times. I think even Ben Swift came on it once uh, at the beginning just because he was our friend, so we invited him on it. Everybody loved that, that they were riding with Ben Swift. Um, and it developed from there. Um with Russ and Matt, then talking about Russ doing a, a meetup on a Tuesday and a Thursday. Um, so that developed from there with his friends and then more people. And so Russ was inviting people. Matt said, oh, we'll do it on, why don't we put it on YouTube? Uh, we have our own YouTube channel, just a simple YouTube channel. So Matt got involved again uh, with, with overlaying commentary on it. And he designs all the tech, him and Russ design the routes. So it's just evolved from that simple ride every Saturday to then Matt getting involved and doing commentary on it with Russ and Russ looking after the um, the riders that come on it. 
So the basis of it is that it's a ramped workout. So it's really quite easy to start with. They do about 40, 40 minutes at like 2.5 watts per kilo, which a lot of people can do that, uh, dependent on, you know, age, you know, male, female, um, how fit you are. And then there's a go, 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 which Russ, Russ called it go, go, go. It's literally that's the part of the chain gang. It just goes really fast, and then there's a finish line at the end, and it it just evolved very quickly. Um, so Matt and Russ are in charge of that. I don't actually ever ride the chain gang anymore. I'm a little bit busy at six o'clock every mm. every Tuesday, Thursday, so I've not ridden it for a long, long time. Um, but yeah, it developed and evolved from from um, lockdown really, um, and Matt and Russ run that together now. Down in cycling headlines it, which is great. So that's that's Matt and uh, Matt and Russ's baby, really. How did COVID affect uh, the way that you were coaching and you personally? So me personally, I lost. Um, I've always done quite a lot of driving roles as well. I've worked the Tour of Britain. I worked the World Championships, um, the European Games in Glasgow. So every year I do driving roles throughout the season. Um, with no events, those driving roles um, didn't happen. So. Personally, I lost work, which was unfortunate due to COVID. But what I did do then is just went straight into more coaching uh, and working with more riders and building, trying to build our brand to see what we could do with it. So online, we did a lot of stuff online uh, with riders and Zwift helped massively with that. So we work quite quite a lot directly with Zwift now with the Donny Chain Gang. So through the two-year period we've we've carried on expanding a little bit and getting getting the more getting more coaches qualified and on board so in the beginning it was quite quite scary to lose to lose work personally for me but we worked hard with doing online events um and coming out the other side of of covid has been been good for us we've now got like russ with the Donny shane gang with matt still have uh Lots of riders on board for myself as a coach. And then Joe Tindley now coaches with us. Tom Stewart does, Tom Townsend, and they've got their own, they've got their own coach riders, and that's all happened in the last two years. Mm. So we feel fortunate that we've kind of like had a bit of a think outside the box moment of what else can we do if we can't do the events. So this year you've been busy with the Tour of Britain and the women's tour. Tell me about these and what your role was. Yeah, so um, I just said then I do, do um, driving roles, like driving um, driving as an ex-pro in the convoy, but looking after like a commissaire who's in the back or in the front. I've done guest car roles as well. So this year was um, looking after the commissaire president. So there's generally like three or four commissaires that sit at different parts of the race uh, on both women's tour and and the, the men's tour, the Tour of Britain. So that was my role, and it sits directly behind the uh, the peloton. So you always have the peloton in front of you, um, and then the commissaire president in that car is running the show rules-wise on the radio. When there's a breakaway, then, then another commissaire from the from the race will go and sit behind that breakaway to check on what the riders are doing, the teams are doing. Um, so you have to know what kind of like the riders are potentially going to do what you have to know the route, what the road road is going to do. So the, therefore you have to be in control of the car and 
um, it's very exciting. I love it. Uh, some people have been in the car and say, oh, it's really scary. I'm like, there's riders everywhere. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I enjoy it. I've been in that situation as a rider before. So um, the best thing for me was that I know a lot of the riders as well. So they come back to the car and say hello in the neutral and have a chat at both men's and women's tour. Um, yeah, so the, the tour of Britain was really good and the women's tour was really good as well. I spoke to you at the Cyclocross National Trophy in Derby uh, way back in September, but I previously met you back in 2011 at the Tour of Britain and I've actually shown you a picture of me meeting you. Yeah, that's a long time ago, eh? Um, we spoke about it just before. Um, yeah, 2011 was a long time ago. I was right. I think I would have been working for Sharp then and my team as um, like sponsors, doing like photographs and autographs and chatting to write, chatting to people who were who were uh, supporters of the team. So it's something we did a lot of as a team then. But yeah, it was nice to meet you at. Derby and then when I saw that picture I was like wow that's a long time ago mm-hmm. it's like 10 years ago uh yeah we've both changed quite a bit um <laughs> you've grown up a lot um I was very skinny then as a bike rider but yeah it just shows you how cycling can reach different uh, different people different age groups over that many years though so going back to your coaching do you have any memorable moments with some of the riders that you've worked with um yeah, I mean, stand standalone is when when Ben Tulip won won the worlds. Yeah. Um, Alice Barnes winning the winning the British Road Champs and time trial in the same week, and then just recently um, being at the same race when when Joe Tindley won the won the national crit champs. Uh, twenty twenty was was we have a young rider called Jacob Bush. He won all the all the youth and junior time trials that year. Um, but sadly, due to COVID times, I was never there to see him win them. But that was pretty cool as well. A new, a new rider, new to cycling. So he he won about four or five championships that year in 2020. All time trials. But sadly, I wasn't able to be at any of them because of COVID. But mm-hmm. standout alone is, um, yeah, it's definitely Ben winning the Worlds for the first time and then a year later winning, uh, winning again. Mm-hmm. I've actually got his jersey on my wall, which they gave to me as a present, as a family. Can you see that? Oh, wow, that's awesome. So that was from Alistair uh, and Catherine, Ben's parents and Ben. Wow. So that sits in my office, gives me, gives me, uh, yeah, gives me good morale to look at that and, <laughs> and yeah, keep being a good coach. <laughs> so what's next for you and Downing Cycling? Um, yeah, we we wanted to get out there and do more events, and and I've been visiting more more coach riders. Uh, like I said, we had our actual coaches meet up, which was really good. Um, but yeah, just to keep progressing, working with the riders that I have, um, you know, working with the riders that I have currently. Um, it's the it's the winter building phase now, so people are getting back to riding. Got a few people that are cross racing as well. So as a as a coaching brand. Um, yeah, we're excited for 2022, but 2021 is not finished yet for racing wise. With mm. with some riders that are cross racing, um, Russ and, and Matt Payne are still doing great things with the Donny Chain Gang and getting hundreds of riders every every Tuesday and Thursday evening on Zwift. So that's part of Downing Cycling with with Russ running that and, and Matt on the comms. 
So it's just exciting seeing down cycling build up each year, doing bit doing bits more. But um, we would like to get out on the bike more with with riders uh, doing any events. But it's uh, a bit up and down at the minute. What's your favourite race you've ever done? Um, the favourite, my favourite race I've ever done is the Tour of Langkawi um, in Malaysia. It was uh, I did it for Great Britain in two thousand and five. Uh, I have a four or five, I can't remember which year it was, but that was my first pro race, one of my first pro races, probably the same time frame as I did the New York Challenge, um, and it was stunning hotels, I, I called them honeymoon hotels, all on the beach, like beautiful places, um, really nice routes, um, and riding for Great Britain with the best pros in the world was pretty cool, um, so that's my best and most favourite race I've ever done. And where's your favourite place to ride for fun? Uh, I've been lucky enough to ride in Australia quite a bit and like the ocean road um, or any any roads like next to the ocean is really, really nice. Um, but then been lucky enough to ride in Mallorca quite a lot and that's got like from, from Porto Plensa to Alcudi, it's got the bay and there's a bike path at the side of the road and when either, either way that you're going, it's just beautiful scenery with the sea on, sea on the side. So when you're coming up from Alcudia back to Porto Valencia, you've just got the mountains in the distance, um, the sea on one side, uh, the sun shining. Um, so that's like a beautiful part of road when the sun's shining, obviously. <laughs> What's your number one coaching tip? Um, everybody has to enjoy cycling, you know, enjoy, enjoy what they're doing it for. Um, but yeah, not trying to not trying to do too much, always always think about what you you can and can't do so but yeah I mean enjoyment of cycling is it's, it's a cliche and I think a lot of people do say it when they sit when they get asked these kind of things but it, it, if you don't enjoy it it's it's really hard mm. um, cycling can be really hard if you don't enjoy what you're doing who's your favorite current rider this is a really tough one um I love how how Alaphilippe um races mm. um yeah, I've seen him racing live when I've been driving the, the Tour of Britain car and stuff. But when you watch him on TV, he's won two world championships. He's, he's phenomenal. But then there's Mark Cavendish, who I've you know, been friends with and, 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 and seen him race together with him, won stages at the Tour this year again. Um, yeah, so it, it's a tough one. Um, they'll probably have Philippe, just the way that he races. Yeah, he's exciting to watch, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. Who's your favourite rider of all time? Um, yeah, this is difficult. Uh, probably Sean Kelly. Um, Sean Kelly was one of my dad's heroes when we were kids. He had the when when Stephen Roach and Sean Kelly, when Stephen Roach won the worlds uh, for Ireland in '88, my dad had a big Campagnolo picture on. On his on his uh, bike on his bike shop wall, so but watching Kelly win so many different types of races when I was a kid was pretty pretty cool. Um, and then through events that I've done and been in cycling a long time now, I've I've ridden races, I've ridden rides with him, I've been at dinners with him, and I've got to know him a little bit. So mm. to to be that that's that's just um, that's just a whole another level of cool like being him being my favourite rider when I was a kid 
and then now get to meet him and chat to him and have a drink with him and things like that <laughs> at, at different events that I've not seen him for a couple of years, obviously. But um, yeah, Sean Kelly, definitely. I really love listening to Sean's commentary uh, on the road races. I think his voice is really cool to listen to. Yeah, he's he's got a good he's got a good voice and he's got his own little little sayings that he puts in there as well, like bonifications and things like that. But he's he just says it he sees he sees what he says. Um and he always has done. So that makes him a great it makes him a great commentator. But like cycling has changed as well since Sean raced. But what he has done is he, he still knows how racing happens now. Yeah. Um so he's very, very good, very good commentator. Do you have any other advice for young riders specifically? Um, from a from a coaching sense as well, it, it's cliche, but you do have to enjoy it. But also from a young rider's point of view, we're talking like under 18s, they, they have to concentrate on school mm. uh, or education. Uh, if they're youth riders, like I mentioned Jacob Bush, he's 16, so he's still at school, um, still at school and college. So I have some under 16 riders that are at, at going through GCCs, had a one young rider now he's just had mock exams so that's speaking to the rider's parents they, they, they need to concentrate on revising and you know not concentrate on cycling too much and it's only one week that the trainings come down but they need to concentrate on education so young riders they just think about what pros do all the time so they want to do things like that but a pro is a pro they're paid bike riders they're not young they're not they haven't got school to go to so mm. they want to do everything the pro does, whereas they're at the beginning of it. So they need to enjoy the bike riding. They need to time manage around school. They need to develop. They need to enjoy it. They need to have fun. And also doing all sorts of different disciplines as well. Um, mountain bike riding in the winter, maybe. Cross racing if they if they can have a cross bike. Um, you know, road racing, crit racing, a bit of track racing if they can get to a track. There's so many different disciplines of track of um, racing out there that at any age you can get involved and do it with a local club, then do it and have fun with it mm. and see what you enjoy most. And maybe you'll go to cross, maybe you'll go to track, maybe you'll go to crit racing. So enjoyment is the key. Education mm. yeah. or you know, doing your school properly as well. You've got five minutes before you start as WIF session. What's on your playlist to get you motivated? I I listened to Connor Swift's today and he said um, like trance and house music and that just made me chuckle because that's what I'm like as well. I got like I'm really big into head candy. Um, like there's so much head candy, uh, like yeah, like podcasts, um, you know, live recordings that went through uh, lockdown. So I love listening to head candy different types and also on there there's like a sax film player called Ellie Sax who's from Leeds I like listening to that as well it just gets me gets me happy gets me going so I've always every Zwift session I do I listen to Head Candy in the background. Thank you for joining me today Dean. My pleasure it's been really good um, thank you very much Georgia. Hope you enjoyed listening to that episode you can find all episodes of Cycling Talk podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, my Buzzsprout website and all the usual podcast places. And don't forget to follow the podcast on social media. I'm on Twitter at cycling underscore talk, on Instagram and Facebook at cycling.talk.podcast 
And if you're on the GCN app, then make sure that you follow me. I'm Cycling Talk and I'm verified and I just love it if you would give it a follow because that would really support the podcast. So thank you. Make sure to give me your feedback on this episode and let me know who you'd like me to interview next. See you on the bike.